This is Strange Assembly, episode 237, Fighting Games. I'm Chris Stevenson, and here with me today is Mike Cook. Hey. And this is Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can find us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. We are at Strange Assembly on Twitter and Facebook.com slash Strange Assembly. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or through the Google Play Music Store. We always appreciate it if you uh, leave us a rating or review there because it helps other people find the show. But on to what the show is about. We're going to talk about three games today, at least two of which are, I'm confident, fighting games, and the third of which Mike and I will discuss. And what we're, we're trying to do here is address what I think is kind of the, uh, a niche genre within the, the board and card game world, and that is these fighting games. And they have some other features, but I think that the reason why they tend to be uh, a little narrow in their penetration is that they often either focus on or have an element of repeated play in a two-player game and sometimes in a way that involves customization. Not the kind of thing you have with a living card game, but that is often an element and that can often result in you know a smaller group of players who, who go into a particular product heavily. Do you think that's fair to say, Mike? Yeah, and I mean, I also just think, just like normal fighting games, a lot of times you'll pick two, one, two, or three characters and it's much more beneficial for you to learn those characters very well to like help your proficiency in playing. Yes, they they reward repeat play uh, as far as your skill goes. I mean, I think okay, that's that's true of almost every game, but these ones really do seem to right to do that heavily. So these games are are not necessarily, but are often inspired by, derived from, based off of whatever your traditional fighting games. Like when I think of a central concept of a fighting game it's essentially like take something like street fighter and then make a card game out of it right where it it, its default setting is you have two characters each controlled by a separate player who are going back and forth they literally have a range between them and throwing normal attacks and charging up and doing special attacks and you win when you defeat the other player Yes, and it's even still on a 2D plane for most of the games. Some of them will have like a tag mode, which is similar to other fighting games, to actually the fighting games that they're recreating. So there can be some multiplayer, but typically the uh, default mode is one-on-one. Okay, yeah. And so the three games we're going to talk about today are Sakura Arms from AEG, the Exceed Fighting System from Level 99, and then Radiant Offline Battle Arena, which is coming to Kickstarter in the near future, the very near future. And I think I think Exceed Fighting System is the, the most. I guess is the most. It seems like the most traditional. I'm air quoting there of the fighting games, but 
Sakura Arms, this is funny. I, so this is from, in the United States, it's published in AEG, and it's part of AEG's big in Japan line. And if I'm recalling correctly, I was once talking to, to Todd, uh, Todd Rowland at AEG, and he, he said something like, Sakura Arms was the like their their game where the the title of Big in Japan was really accurate. <laughs> it wasn't just a Japanese game; it was a game that actually got you know heavily tournament play in stores in Japan. Nice. So this the way that this handles the range and everything else is with flower petals. Like all of these games, right? You are you're a combatant. And you're trying to defeat your opponent, and whoever knocks, you know, whoever knocks the other player down wins. But you start with this little stylized board. It's it's split in two, so it fits in this little small box. But then you you affix it together, and you have these flower petals that the range, the steps between the players are these flower petals. And when you move closer to another player, you move a flower petal from the range steps it looks like little stones across a pond or something like that and you move one of the petals over from one of the stones to your aura and then the number of petals that's left is how far apart you are and then if you want to back away you have to move petals from your aura onto the steps you know when you when you take damage you might take it to your aura or you might take it to your life when you take life damage it goes to your flare which charges up your special moves. You draw two cards a turn in this, and you get a couple of actions a turn, basically, and you're it's just around that, like, the ultimate mechanic is still, and then you do attacks that deal damage to your opponents. <laughs> and they hit or not. Now, I really liked the gameplay for this one. However, when I played this, I was playing this with someone else who had not played it before, and we kind of immediately ran into an impediment when we tried to do customization because unless you just do like the one starter game with the starter setup that it has in the rule book, you can't play Sakura Arms without some kind of customization. There's there's a set of about seven characters you can do, and it's, and it's Sakura Arms because you basically summon one of these spirits into each of your arms and those are like your two attacks conceptually the rule book's pretty neat too before they actually get to the rules there's like a comic of what is going on where you've got two people coming up and it kind of gives you the concept of what it means when you're doing these moves it's actually it tells a little story and as it's telling you the story it's got the little rules text in there too so when there's a character in the comic that is pulling out a gun and blasting at somebody. It says, shoot, range 6 to 10, damage 2 slash 1, you know, which means the, when, you, when you do 2 slash 1 damage, the other player gets to choose 2 aura or 1 life damage. But when you play this, you, you choose 2 characters, that's fine, but then you have to choose a certain number of normal cards and a certain number of special cards out of the selection of cards available to those 2. It's not one of these you take everything and just shuffle it together. And the first time that we played a game like that, I think we ended up with these decks that were very weird because we hadn't properly calibrated what really needed to be in a deck. <laughs> and so there were some kind of real holes in our repertoires as characters. 
but I, I did like the, the gameplay. Uh, and I know that this is something that, like I said, some people, if you're in the appropriate area, you can do a whole tournament thing with this where you, you know, you sit down and you're like, oh, these are the two characters I want to do. And who is it that my opponent's doing and what cards are they likely to choose? But there's definitely a little investment necessary to ma- to maximize it. Now, you, you haven't had the chance to play this one, right, Mike? That's right. You've played more games of this style than I have. How often do these require customization of your, your deck, in addition to just learning what you've got to, to play the game, the individual game better? Well, the main ones that I've played are the Devastate, well, the Endines series, sure. the uh, Exceed, and UFS, I think you would also count. So UFS is like basically a completely customizable game. Uh, just it, your char- each character has three symbols that you have to match when you're picking cards for it, and th- they have to chain. Um, but for Endines and for Exceed, they have no customization whatsoever. Okay, yeah. Well, because U- UFS is that that's sort of a collect a CCG, or did it end up more like an no, LCG? It's a CCG. It's a CC. Okay, okay. So it flat out ended up with pack. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, so that's that's a fighting game, but that is I, I don't think that is the usual distribution model for this particular subgenre. It was kind of the original. I'm sure there were other fighting games, but I think it was the first like most successful. There were definitely been other things like Ultimate Battles, like some other systems I have not actually had a chance. A lot of them got engines that were only for their one property, like Mortal Kombat had a game, etc. And sometimes they would get another fighting game that they could add in. But it, I think it still counts. It just it doesn't play like a lot of these others. A lot of these others are more direct, whereas UFS is more abstract. Okay, well, and UFS was published by Jasco, right? It, yeah, it still is. Yeah, yeah, or it is published by Jasco. Well, and, well, and the Exceed fighting system is, that's published by Level 99, but that the the all the characters are from Jasco, right? For Exceed? For season one. For season one? Okay. Well why don't so why don't you talk a little bit about Ex- the Exceed fighting system? Because like I said, this seems to be sort of the you know, arguably like the kind of baseline game, I think, right now for this genre. Right. Exceed it's a pretty direct translation of fighting games. So you start on like a, a seven-card, two-dimensional track that your characters are on. You each pick one character. Your characters are represented by cards on the track. You take turns doing an action, and eventually one you each start with 30 life points. And then, you know, you hit each other with attacks and do other things to reduce health totals. And then eventually one of you will be at zero, and that will be the end of the game and the end of the fight. You can also lose if you go through your deck once and you get to reshuffle once, but then the second time through, you can also just lose. So uh, the basic core of the game is that you take actions, passing them back and forth. Some of the actions are as simple as draw a card. Some of them are moving. Another one is that you can play the card. Every card is both an attack and uh, another section called a boost. Some of the boosts are just one-time effects and you discard them. Some of them are continuous. They stay in play until you actually play an attack. But, you know, the core of the game is that eventually you're going to play an attack. Whenever you play an attack, your opponent also has to play an attack. 
So you both put that face down, then you flip up and you check. The first thing you check is speed. Whoever is fastest obviously gets to go first. Then you check range just to make sure that, you know, your attacks are ranged. So some of them, like if it's essentially a throw, it might be range one. So you have to be right next to your opponent. If it's outside of range, it just completely misses and then your opponent gets to go. If it is in range, then you see it'll have a bunch of stuff it'll do before, when you hit, and after. And then you'll do a certain amount of damage. The moves all can have a certain amount of guard and armor. If you do more damage than the guard plus armor, you actually stun your opponent so they don't get to attack you back. Essentially, this is in a um, fighting game, like if you both throw a kick, but your kick was faster and they had no armor on their move, it's going to hit them. It's going to throw them into a hit animation so they don't get to attack you back. And that's basically what it's emulating. And any of your attacks that hit will go into a separate pile called a gauge face down. Your deck is comprised of essentially half of moves that are the same in all decks. So half of all of these decks are exactly the same. And then half of them are character specific. And four of the cards will be super moves, but you have to use the gauge to actually use them because they're your super moves. So that's pretty much it. That, that's pretty much the core of the game. And you, you go back and forth and you know try to beat each other up. A lot of it is learning your character and learning the other characters and what their weaknesses are and where you need to hit and like what time. Sometimes you'll face a character and it just won't work the same way it does with other characters because their ability is weird because you also have a character ability. Oh, you can also at some point in the game essentially exceed that so that, you know, that's the the titular exceed. You pay a certain amount of gauge like you would a super move and for your turn you get to flip over and you essentially become, for the most part, become a much more powerful version. Some characters play with that and, you know, they'll actually flip back and forth or whatever. But for the most part, it's like, oh, I become super powerful. Now I'm trying to finish the game or whatever. And the games are pretty quick. They usually play in about 15-ish minutes. So that yeah, that's kind of the core of Exceed. I have played only one of the season one starter sets, for lack of a better word. Like it's got four characters in it. The one that I have is I think Heidi versus Reese and Natalie versus Vincent. So it's entirely people from Jasco's Red Horizon. Uh, and season two is its seventh cross, which is I guess something that Level ninety nine is planning on developing other games in that world yep that's what it says on the website yeah sakura arms is a very i think soft anime presentation looking at the season one exceed it it really does look like fighting game characters <laughs> yep they, they all really look like they could about to be including the apparently obligatory this female character forgot to wear all of her clothes character Come on, guys. You can do better than that. And then 7th Cross, the the Season 2 setting has more of a... like It has looks like it has a horror vibe to it. So maybe it's like Dark... Like, was it Darkstalkers to the uh, Street Fighter of Season 1, maybe? <laughs> uh, it mostly is the same. Like, the okay. themes are probably darker, but really, the card art is about the same as the first season. You've played Season 2, right? Yeah, so season two just came out in stores, or well, like within the past couple of weeks, because I got my copies recently. I actually had gotten the se- I got the whole season one, all four of the starters or whatever they are, uh, all four of the packages for season one a little while ago, like six months ago, probably maybe a year. 
And I, so I saw the season two Kickstarter, but I decided I was going to buy them from the local store. So I just, I passed on it. So they have just now come, but I had a couple of friends who actually did kickstart it. So I got to play with all of their stuff because they have already gotten their whole line for it. Now exceed fighting system. Like you said, there's no customization of the cards there. So that one, you're still going to get probably trashed if you go play against somebody who's really an expert with their deck. But you at least know that, hey, look, I've I've always got this fully functional deck <laughs> when I'm going to sit down and play. And you can just pick the one character to work on honing your skills. Yeah, well, I mean, it's definitely a game that I think has a lot of range, kind of, kind of like fighting games. I think part of why fighting games have been popular for so long is that, yes, to win consistently, to be really good, you're going to have to put in time and you're going to have to learn a bunch of stuff, like learn stuff about the core system as well as your character, as well as other characters, Uh, you know, depending on how much time it's definitely a system where the more time you put into it, the more you get out of it. Uh, Very much like a real fighting game, but at the same point, it can also just be fun to throw buttons and see what happens, uh, push buttons and see what happens. And, And that's kind of the same for this game. Like you can, it's pretty easy to see, okay, well, I'm in three range of this guy. I'm just going to throw out this attack and see if it hits. Maybe he's he's going to outsmart me. Maybe he doesn't have the card he needs in his hand to outsmart me, right? Like, you just kind of go with it and see what you got. That's Exceed Fighting System from, from level 99 games. And then the, the final one we have is Radiant Offline Battle Arena. And full disclosure, we are friends with some of the folks who are involved in making radiant offline battle arena so do with that what you will but this is like i said this one is does this belong in this genre i i think on a strict sense it doesn't but yet it has a lot in common in how you play it now while the fighting games are right obviously based on at least somewhat loosely on this the fighting video game concept Roba Radiant Offline Battle Arena is based on the MOBA genre. There's all sorts of puns in there. So it it involves both character, both players having characters who are battling, and you ultimately win by knocking out your opponent's final character. They're they're like sort of ultimate character who comes in later in the battle, but you have multiple characters per player always there's no just like one person there's no such thing as range although you do have three different lanes that you're battling in and you also have the similar sort of feel at least to me where it's a game that you will have a a box i mean i don't i don't know exactly what options that you know they're going to have for their their kickstarter but you know you'll you'll have an option where you can have a box with however you know i'm going to I'm going to say eight, and that's completely a made-up number. Characters, and you can just play with that, and everybody can pick their appropriate combination of characters out of that. You know, it might it might be more likely to be nine because they kind of are in sets of three, and you could only just ever do that sort of thing. But then you also have the ability to do more complicated setups where you go into a tournament environment. It's like, well, I pick this character, and you pick that character, and then you having picked that character, each of us gets to ban one of the other characters that's left. So if there's something that we feel is like a broken combo, we can say, well, no, you took the first piece of the combo. So I'm going to say neither of us is allowed to take the the second piece of the combo. 
and then you can do the same to me, which, you know, and again, you, you can have the same elements of knowing what it is in your deck. So to you, can these be wedged into the fighting game genre because they have these sort of meta similarities or is it, does it break them out of this genre because they just ultimately don't have the two characters beating each other up across a two dimensional line? I think if, I mean, I've not, unfortunately I've not had a chance to play Roba yet, even though I've tried and I keep missing all the demos. I'm just really bad at finding them on their time. I, I showed up a day late one time at Gen Con I think they are deep down because a lot of what you're doing is the same. Even like with Exceed, you kind of know what your strengths are and you hopefully know what your opponent's strengths are. So you're going to adjust your gameplay. I'm assuming Roba is, you know, like a MOBA because what you're describing with the picks and bands, that's a very MOBA thing. Essentially, what you're going to do is you're going to look at, okay, what's the strength of my team? What's the strength of their team? What do I need to compensate with? What do I need to do with my team to be successful? I'm assuming there's like multiple options as far as like this person might be bad at team fighting, but might be good at pushing or whatever the equivalent for this game is. I'm going to have to speak entirely in terms of this game because, and here's the thing, like I've, I've literally never played a MOBA audience out there. So I, I could not, I mean, I could tell you like, does exceed feel like you're playing a fighting game? Cause I've at least played those. I've never played a MOBA. So I don't know if it, what it feels like from online, but you, you get three characters and each character does have one particular strength and you the sort of default thing to do is to pick one character with each different strength it suggest like that's what you start with now it may be that as you develop advanced strategy you want to skew your team but you you basically have attack essentially you have attacking characters defensive characters and then evokers who are squishier than the other two, but who generate power every turn. And you can use the power to level up your three characters. You can use the power to bring in an item. Because that that's... Once you pick your characters, that's the only customization you can do is these three items. Because you have... When each character you pick comes with, I think, 10 cards, and you mix the three characters worth of cards together and then you pick the deity like that's your final character that gets summoned eventually and they automatically bring in three shrines that are or i think maybe they're nodes and those are the three lanes each end of each lane has one of these nodes on it in order to force the summon of your opponent's deity you have to ruin all of their nodes but you often ruin at least one of your own nodes over the course of the game because these characters die. It's not like the character, the, the, the normal mortal characters battle out and then whenever they, they die, you're, you lose. You can ruin one of your nodes and it mass resurrects and bring all of your guys back in. And, and so you're, I, th- I think that often you're going to be ruining at least one of your own nodes to do that before the, the big guy comes in and starts smashing face oh yeah but then but then you get you have these these separate little weapon cards and you have a a stack of maybe 10 of them you can choose from you get to pick three and those are the ones that are available to you during the game but it's only the evoke if you don't have an evoker on the board you don't have an automatic way of gaining the resource you need for that you now you you do get that resource if you 
ruin your opponent's nodes if you KO your opponent's characters. So, you know, you might be able to choose to just play a more combative thing, not have an evoker, and just hope to generate enough power that way. But your characters can attack one of their characters, or they can attack the node. If you're attacking, they can move a character in to block the attack, and so you fight that character instead. It takes an action to stand anybody up to recover them. You can take actions to move to different lanes. So that's, I, I think that's the pretty much everything about the gameplay, or, or certainly all the core aspects of it. Oh, and then you clash. When you actually do a, all of the cards in your decks are either talents or clash cards. A talent you play as one of your actions and do whatever the text says. And you can play, I guess technically you can play anything as a clash card and it's got an, a, a power modifier and or an armor modifier. And the ones that don't have talent abilities will have a clash ability so they have some additional effect when you play them in the clash. You might have something that benefits you more if you're be if you're blocking with this character or you might have something that's like after this fight is over my character zips over to a different lane that kind of thing anyhow so that was probably more information than you really wanted to continue your thought <laughs> well not me because i need i'm very keen on this seeing the kickstarter when it comes and watching the videos and learning uh, it's funny because even what you're talking about, I, like, I kind of think I understand the analogies because I actually do like MOBAs and I have played quite a few of them. And I, I think, like, the Evoker sounds like it's probably a support, etc., etc. So, okay, so you think that that does fit firmly within, like I said, I wasn't, I, I'm like, not sure, is this a fighting game technically? But if it's not, then what is it? Is it just a card game? I, <laughs> it it kind of sounds like it's it's a little bit more maybe of a hybrid. Like, it's still kind of a fighting game, just well, maybe a little bit differently abstracted. Certainly it involves characters fighting, but of course there's many games that involve characters fighting each other that we wouldn't put as fighting games in these air quotes. I don't know. So, fighting game or not, I got to play Radiant Offline Battle Arena last year at Gen Con. So if you rewind back to last year's Gen Con episode... You can hear a little bit about it there where I actually am talking to to Robert Denton, one of the, the fellows who's working on bringing that game to market. And then I I have a preview copy of it, so I've gotten to play it again now. So I think it's really good. Like Again, I can't say anything about whether or not it properly emulates a MOBA, so it, it doesn't have, for me, it doesn't have that hook. But I really enjoyed getting to sit down and play it at Gen Con last year, and I really enjoyed being able to to get the little the the preview copy and play some more in the last few weeks. So I, I mean, I think it's if it sounds, I mean, obviously, I mean, it's you know, if if this th- there's a limitation here, right? You have to be interested in playing a two player adversarial game. Uh, like these things, I cannot play them with my wife. She just has no interest whatsoever in a game where we sit down on opposite sides of the table and attack each other. Just none. Right. So, I mean, if you just don't like these, you're, you know, I mean, you know, not, nothing, nothing about Roba is going to change that. But if this sort of milieu is interesting, I think Roba is really worth checking out. Other than the, what you're throwing from your hand, there's not really any randomness so much in it, right? The randomness is card draw. Right. Well, so I, w- I was going to say uh, one of the core, I-, I would say if you're looking at like the like, I don't know, kind of philosophy 
of fighting games. The core philosophy is what's known as Yomi, which is essentially predicting what my opponent's going to do so that I know what to do to prepare for that and then, like, you know, counter Yomi or what, whatever. And it sounds like that Roba has that same kind of idea the same way that a normal fighting game does. So, like I said, that, that seems like it's the same core. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I guess so. Te- technically, I guess there is uh, the three nodes. You, when they flip up, when you ruin them, you flip it over, and it has an effect. So you're not going to know what those nodes are now. Each each deity has three specific nodes that are associated with them, but you don't actually know. For the most part, I think you don't know what your opponent's deity is at the start of the game. So, but even if you know exactly which ones your opponent's using, you don't know where they are. So it might. Does, does your opponent set them down though? Yes, yes. Your your opponent chooses where they go. So that's still an element of strategy of like, well, okay, I kind of want to pop this one. I wonder where he's put it. You know, is he going to put it here or put it there? So it still kind of adds to the depth of that. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess there is a, I mean, there is an inner lane. So that is different. It's not, I mean, I'm, I, in my mind, I, of course, kind of connected to the provinces in Legend of the Five Rings where, but on, in that, once it's on one of the four provinces, there's no notion of provinces being next to each other for right. the most part. So it's it, like, it's just kind of random which one you run yourself into. Right. No, no, I no. that exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking. So let, let's say someone is interested in exploring the genre. They want to go pick something up at the store is, is like picking up one of the, like one of these exceed fighting system base boxes that like gives you four fighters that's about i think it's about 20 bucks i think sakura arms is about maybe 25 i mean so these are not i, I suppose if you like go into like if you go into exceed and like i want to get every deck for every character i'm guessing that's going to add up but these i don't think that these are that i think these have a pretty low entry level for the little like for the little starter i'm pretty sure the or 25 each because i think it's a hundred dollars for a whole season 25 okay okay so that's about the so i mean you don't there's not a terrible lot of games other than tiny other than little bitty card games that don't cost at least that much so it's like 120 cards so it's i mean it's not it's not far off of what you normally pay you've had again you've had more experience with some of these these things if, if somebody's like oh i do want to try out one of these things like i want to go pick up an exceed starter deck or, or whatever. What is there anything that you think would be like the best point for someone to start if they wanted to go pick something up from their local game shop tomorrow? Generally, if you can find one of the Red Horizon, the original season one exceed boxes, I haven't played Sakura Arms, so I can't speak for it, but for the uh, exceed, I think any of the Red Horizon are fairly pretty well balanced. Especially if you can find the one with Heidi, I think that's probably got the best array of, it's kind of got a zoner and it's got a rushdown character. And so you kind of get a, a bunch of different flavors of characters. Okay. Yeah. So that, that's actually the one that I have. You've got, see, I, and I mostly think about them thematically. There's, there's Reese, who's sort of like a, an urban knight or something. Heidi, who drives around in a giant mech. Natali, the aforementioned magic user character who forgot most of her outfit. And then Vincent, who's some sort of demon politician. <laughs> yeah, I just why that's why I like them because they are just the crazy concepts that, like, oh hey, I brought my mech to my fight. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, Heidi likes. Let's see, Heidi likes resolving the boost cards, the non-attacks, 
Reese gets benefits whenever he stuns an opponent. Uh, Natali charges up everybody's gauge, which lets him do the special attacks better. And then I think Vincent guards himself better. Yeah. Vincent does guard and armor. I, I think, uh, if I remember right, he's more of like a throw character. So he's more like a Zangief. <laughs> yes, yes. I don't know. I Well, I'm not going to give you any advice on the video games, but today we've talked about Sakura Arms from AEG, the Exceed fighting system from Level 99 Games, and the upcoming... Radiant Offline Battle Arena, which will be on Kickstarter in the near future. I think that Kickstarter is worth checking out. If you want to go pick something up at a, at a game store tomorrow to try out this genre, you can see if you can get the Reese, Heidi, Vincent, and Natali introductory uh, like four-deck set from the Red Horizon Season 1 for the Exceed fighting system. But there is a, a good chance that the next episode you hear will be our Gen Con preview. So look out for that. So you've been listening to Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can find us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. You can subscribe to the podcast there through the Apple Podcast app or through the Google Play Music Store. You can also find us on the usual social media. We're facebook.com slash strangeassembly or at strangeassembly on Twitter. You can also reach me directly. I'm chris at strangeassembly.com. I always like to hear your comments and feedback. Promotional consideration has been provided in the form of review copies. I am Chris Stevenson. And for Mike Cook, this is Strange Assembly. Never stop gaming.